and you're listening to A Little Too Quiet. It is the Ferndale Library podcast brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. I'm Jeff Milo and Roddy Brown is here again. Hi. And Mary Graham is here again. Hello. And we're here talking about books. What else will we what else will we be talking about well, on, on a library podcast? <laughs> but we're talking about owning books and we're going to be talking about our own personal collection and uh, it was a, it was another epic talk. It's always a pleasure to talk to both of you. Of course, you got a little smidgen of Pride and Prejudice right at the beginning, too. So, so we're keeping it yes, we consistent. Have a, well, when we first got into the to the booth today, uh, as as Mary Graham and, and Rowdy are, are wont to do, they will just start talking about books, whether the, the red button is pushed or not. <laughs> and we got off on tangents that involved uh, Rachel Weiss and the Music Man, and you'll be probably hearing more about that later. And then we got into, eventually, Pride and Prejudice, we're here to talk about Yes, we work in a library. We have access to free books all day long. Do we still buy books? The answer, of course, is yes. But we we covered a lot here today. <laughs> and it was such an organic stream of conscious. So I'm excited for you to listen to this episode. Thanks for tuning in. servants like him because he's so well liked and he manages his land well he does right okay are we officially recording we are officially but i don't want you because you guys are so good you guys can go forever on so many subjects it's like as the journalist in the room i can't resist (laughs) capturing this great great content i just it's such a good house kimberly is a great house and if you're just tuning in we're talking about darcy's house I just have a lot of feelings about the houses and Pride and Prejudice. Mm-hmm. I know that is so random, but like the houses and the gardens, I could talk about mm-hmm. them forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because an entire lifetime happens mm-hmm. while someone's taking a walk through the garden, sure. essentially. Sure. So true love happens. I to be like clear. there's this shot from the 95 adaptation that's, that's straight out of the book. And it's after like Darcy and Elizabeth have, have like finally confessed, you know, mm-hmm. one word from. From you will silence me forever but then Love she's that. like no no keep talking uh and and the camera pans out and you see like one of the younger sisters walking in front of them like because that's and that's how it <laughs> yeah. is the book is like oh like even private stuff isn't private in this world <laughs> yeah also one word from you will silence me forever is an energy that i need more people to have especially more men <laughs> agreed agreed sorry agreed. to be clear agreed yes. um you know what my transition is <laughs> I'm dying to know. Pride and Prejudice is in my home library. I own possibly two copies. So that's a correct number of copies to own. Where we will begin our chat about what we own at home. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, well, I guess I'm going to. This is a safe space. This is a safe space. You can cry. So, Jeff knows this story, but now you and I guess the listeners will also know. So, remember how I got the um, sort of leftover bookshelf yes from because here. you beat me out for it okay there, there was <laughs> i did not realize there was no it's okay it was it was like a random drawing and it's totally fine because i got home and i was like i don't think i actually have room for this so i was very glad it went to you so i have a ton of overflow mm-hmm. of books mm-hmm. and you recently won a bookshelf and i recently won a bookshelf which clearly which, is an enabling act right but because my thought was this will hold all of my overflow first mistake mm-hmm. and leave room to spare 
dream, just like an absolute dream, <laughs> you know, thing that is not real, mm-hmm. never real. So over the past weekend, I finally put the bookshelf where it was going to go. I start loading the books into it. And the bookshelf is kind of divided into two shelves with like separation between like rectangular chunks. I'm trying to like paint a vision of this. And it's quite long. And I got to the second portion of the first of the top shelf. Mm -hmm. And I realized there is not enough room (laughs) to hold overflow. And the notion that there would be more room left over was hubris. And this was the gods punishing me (laughs) for having the audacity to think that there would ever be more room. And I called my mom crying because I was just like, why did you raise me to be this way? And her response was, do you want me to send you more books? (laughs) So when she listens to this, I just want her to know that her enabling behavior has now been immortalized in this podcast. Which is where we open up and we are all employed in a library and work in a library every day. We're surrounded by books. So one might wonder, does one stop buying physical books when they know that they can have access to so, 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 so many books? And the answer is, in Roddy's case, no. I'm guessing probably sort of no in Mary Graham's case as well. Also no. Also no. Okay. But it has changed. Okay. Um, so before I worked here, it was still a pandemic because that's how long the pandemic has been happening. Um, and I, I had a job that, you know, gave me a little extra cash for, for the book purchasing. And because I just like, I actually live quite close to my local branch library, but for various reasons, you know, it it wasn't open for browsing and I, I like looking at shelves, you know, I don't Mm -hmm. really like browsing through the catalog. So I was just ordering a lot of my books from my, my local indie bookstore and, you know, they were showing up at my apartment. It was great. Uh, And then when I got my job here, I was thrilled and I was like, yay, I'm working at the free book place again. Um, And I actually do, it is harder for me to justify spending money on, especially a book I'm not certain I will like. Mm -hmm. So I have certain authors, like, automatic buy. Sure. I will pre-order their stuff, like, they're getting my money. We'll return to that later, Roddy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not a question. That's coming up. Um, But uh, recently, actually, over the the holiday break, I went to a Barnes & Noble that was going out of business, and so everything was 50% off. And it was still so hard to make myself I mean I made out like a bandit from that but it was so hard because I have not a very big apartment I have four bookshelves they're all full and I'm gonna have to start operating on the one in one out system um and it's just I don't like I don't have that much overflow room like my overflow room blocks my television and so so it's a struggle (laughs) there's a song um most people will be familiar with this song because the Fugees covered it in the 90s, but the original version is by Roberta Flack and it's called Killing Me Softly. Um, and that's what I feel right now in this conversation. It's just playing in the back of my mind because that is my life. Quick transition here. Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Listen. 
if I have money in my pocket and she walks past me, I will just hand it to her. That's how much I, I love her and her books. Read Gods of Jade and Shadow. You finished it. I finished oh, it. Sorry. I read it over. So I actually picked it up uh, on this this same trip, not from the Barnes and Noble, but from the person who was accompanying me to the Barnes and Noble, uh-huh. uh, because he has twice as many books as I do, and sometimes I take a look at books on his shelves and mm-hmm. I say. Well, so you can get that back in a month when I'm back. Uh, and so uh, I will borrow his books. And I, how does she do it, Roddy? Okay, so Jeff so, brought her up. Author of Mexican Gothic as well as... Gods of Velvet Jade was the Night. Yes, Velvet was the Night, Gods of Jade and Shadow. She also had, a, I think it's called Certain Dark Things that just came out. One of my favorite authors. Does she, Roddy, does she have anything new coming out? Yes. And yesterday, and this is why this is being brought up, she announced that she has yet another book coming out because her pen does not stop. And it is a retelling in a sense of, let me try to pull this up super duper quickly. Sorry, everyone. That's okay. Yes. It is called The Daughter Daughter of Dr. Moreau, which is (gasps) a retelling of... Dr. Moreau's Island? Island? Yes. The Island of Dr. Moreau. So she is doing a retelling of that. It comes out in July. This just turned into a book plug because (laughs) I told Jeff I want to pre-order it because I know I love her. And everything that she produces is something that I have vastly enjoyed. And just to put that out there, because not pre-ordering it is going to be hard. And in the course of 24 hours, I've decided to give up my inclination to try to wait because I'm just going to pre-order it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, but I was just going to say, so my background is that before I worked here, I worked at a bookstore. Um, and working there was bad for me in terms of not buying a bunch of books. Because when I moved to this state from California... I actually went through all of my books in my tiny room at home and there were hundreds and I brought approximately 50 with me and I was just like, these are going to be my books. And then I started working at the bookstore and I got a thing called an employee discount, which was increased while I was working at the bookstore from 30% to 40%. No. They knew what they were doing. They did. Criminals. So <laughs> they got all of my money and it was fine. Um, not as fine for my fiance because he was just like, there are books in every room of this house. And I was just like, welcome to the next 50 years of your life. So it's good that he knows this now. Yeah. Like, hello. Yeah. Look at who you're talking to. Um, but the funny thing is when I was a child and we couldn't afford to buy books all the time, that was, I spent a lot of time in libraries when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and like books were a Christmas and a birthday thing. And like sometimes a report card thing because I had good grades. So I was just like, buy me, buy me What is it with the, with like the parents and the report card books? Talk about other people who know what they're doing. Right. Because, so I grew up around the corner from the Jefferson branch of the Detroit Public Library and- like went I went sometimes, but I'm a little shocked at how often I didn't go, considering mm-hmm. it was right there. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was I got like report card books, mm-hmm. and 
there were, you know, there was a library at my school. So I took a lot of yes. stuff out of the school library. Yes. Um, and then, like, also, I, I lived very close to a Barnes & Noble. So it was, it was a treat. Mm-hmm. Or, like, if I, like, saved my allowance or something mm-hmm. like that. But, but I look at, I buy so few books now that when I do go in to bookstores and hardcovers especially, I'm like, this is astronomical. Yeah, they got me with that 50% off sale too because they were doing that all over the country. Yes. And I walked into my old store and I was just like, hello, old coworkers. I am here specifically to buy books. Yeah. And then it was so bad. I regret this, not entirely, but there were a couple of books that we could not find at my uh, old Barnes & Noble. So I pulled up my phone went to the website and pulled up the books on the Barnes and Noble I used to go to back home with my mother in Los Angeles, found out that they had both of the books. I put them on hold under my mom's name and she picked them up for me and then mailed them to me. This, it was outrageous. I know that (laughs) I, I wish I had some sort of excuse for myself, but I don't. So I have to recognize that I, you know, there are worse things I could do right. with my time. Right. So right. the fact that <laughs> I just buy books and I'm really excited about both of them. Sure. One of them is Helm of Midnight, which is a fantasy book. The other is The Bright Ages, which I is... I love that book. You, it's you so it. good. Okay. Yes. So see, no regrets. No regrets. <laughs> Do not regret that choice in the slightest. I, so I use um, Libro FM for my audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, dear listeners, if you, like I once was, are looking to divest yourselves from Amazon, may I recommend Libro FM, which allows you to support your local bookstore through audiobooks. So I, uh, the bookstore that is closest to... My residence is Source Booksellers in Midtown Detroit, which is a wonderful, wonderful place run by wonderful people. But their niche is nonfiction, and I mostly read fiction. Um, and so the way that I support them on the regular is that I've connected my Libro FM account to them, and I can buy fiction audiobooks, and some of the money still goes to Source, which is fantastic. Beautiful. But sometimes I also read nonfiction on audio, and so I used one of my Libro FM credits to get the Bright Ages. And I mostly focused on medieval literature in my English degree in college. And I just... I'm so excited. The excited laps that I did around my apartment as I was listening (laughs) to that book. I'm so excited for you. Thank you for telling me about this new bookstore to go visit because I love indie bookstores. And also, since I guess this is also an ad for our favorite places to buy books that aren't Amazon. Yes. Bookshop.org yes. is also fantastic for connecting to your local bookstore. If your local bookstore does books. not have its own yes. website ordering system. Right. Which look for them on Bookshop. You know, all of my favorite bookstores, like indie-owned bookstores do, uh, like the Rip Bodice back home, which during the pandemic, they started something called care packages where they would fill books like you could tell them specific books or you could just give them a vague idea of what you wanted and they would send you books. And I did that about mm-hmm. seven times. I'm exaggerating, but I might not also be knowing me at this point. And you can add like tea. Right? Yes, you could add tea. I got a robe. Oh Candles. <laughs> yes. It was fantastic. I love book life. It, book it, life. <laughs> it was just. That's just book life. It was beautiful. And yes never regret it That's also good. their teas are called trope tea and they name them after tropes like only one bed yes yeah. only one bed 
and I think kissing for science. Yeah, and also like siblings best friend mm-hmm. trope. Anyway, I kept buying the Earl Grey one, which I thought was only one bed for a minute, but I think they switched it. Anyway, it was great. Don't regret it. That got me through the time I spent at home. So the bright the bright ages: a new history of medieval Europe. So by good. David M. Perry and Matthew Gabriel. And the cover alone looks like it could be a frameable poster with the calligraphy yes. on it. Also, we have it here at the library. I just checked it in the We have day. it here at the library? <laughs> yes, we do. I could get it for free? Almost all of the books that I've named, we have here. I've also checked them in within the past few days because the way my life is set up is that the universe likes to remind me right. of the things that I do right. as quickly as it possibly can. Right. As you've been going through the story of looking for books on this sale, contacting your mom for the books you could not find and going this extra mile so that you could own these books. Mary Graham and I are over here with sympathetic eyes, but we're like, we're grinning too, because it's like this mixture of, <laughs> we love it too. We love this, we love this about you. Right, yeah. Despite I have... how, I don't know how you well, feel about this. I mean, like, I, I know... I haven't gone on this particular odyssey yet, but I'm about to embark on it. And I'll like report back the next time we do a podcast, I guess. Sure. Uh, 2021 was my year of reading the Peter Whimsey novels by Dorothy L. Sayers. Uh, and, I, and I got them digitally from the library. Fun factor, listeners. Your library also probably has no doubt a ton of audiobooks and ebooks for free. So even if you don't get that Libro FM subscription, or if you decide that's not enough, right. supplement absolutely with, with your local library's <laughs> offerings so all of the peter whimsy books were available uh in ebook and so this is another thing that i do like about this is like my borrow versus buy pattern is that i will read things and then go i have to have that i have to like yes. have that in my hot little hands i have to be able to underline it <laughs> sure. like that kind of thing um the pro- and so i've decided I, i'm going to acquire all of the peter whimsy novels and there's like nine of them the problem is that the American covers are ugly as sin. Oh and so <laughs> why did they always do this? Our covers are always terrible. It's, it's so upsetting. It's Sorry. Because I don't I don't know, it's petty payback or something. I mean, we um, deserve it. But it's still that's not false. But um <laughs> but the British covers uh for, for the Peter Whimsey books are just gorgeous. And so I was talking to a friend who is stateside who was like eBay is your friend. Like mm-hmm. she because she also read the Whimsy books. And, and completely separately from me was like, oh, I want to own these. And these <laughs> covers are so ugly. What do I, what can I do about that? And so I will be shortly going the extra mile to try to get British editions here without paying an arm and a leg for them. Um, are these the British so or American? Those are the ebook only. Because I like those. Okay. And I tried to see if they exist in paper. We'll have an image in the show notes. And they don't. Okay. Um, so... Yeah, I can't remember the 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 British publisher, um, but I I looked up the covers and I was like, oh, those are so much better. Um, but uh, yeah, Dorothy L. Sayers, yeah. Dorothy L. Sayers. making an appearance on the yeah. podcast. Deep cuts. You could have me back just sure. an hour. You say go, and I start talking about Dorothy Sayers. I black out, and then an hour later we're done with the podcast. Like I could follow you up on that. I'm also going to follow you up on the Music Man too. Um, I feel like my my uh, my other sort of favorite indie bookstores also yes the Rip Bodice it's where I order all of my romance novels from Um, huge fan of Brookline Booksmith I went Mm -hmm. to library school in Boston Mm -hmm. I basically lived at the Booksmith Mm -hmm. run by fantastic people Sure. Um, just 
amazing stuff. I went to author events there. Just like one of those great bookshops that is a community hub on mm-hmm. top of everything else. Right um, Literati in Ann yes. Arbor is my sort of like my usual local. My The very lovely people that I worked with at the Newton Free Library in Massachusetts when they were giving me a graduation gift when I finished school uh, gave me a gift card. They like months in advance. I had no idea what they were doing. We're like, so what do you... Where do you like to shop for your books when you're at home? And I was like, oh, it's this place. It's, you know, 45 minutes away. It's fine. Uh, and then three months later, they were like, behold, a gift card. When you're ready to go for a ride. Yeah. To Literati with me. Yeah. Let me know. Yeah. Just me and you. Yep. Down it's going to be road. so <laughs> dangerous for our wallets. And I mean, I remember very clearly the first time that I went into Literati with a friend who was like, I can't believe you've never been before. Mm-hmm. And just because I didn't spend much time in Ann Arbor. Um and I have a personal policy that when I go to an indie bookshop for the first time, it's just good manners to mm-hmm. buy one book. Yes. Like, so I give myself that permission to be like, none of this, like, oh, I'll just take a look and I'm not going to buy anything. Like, no, it's manners. I was up in exactly. Petoskey a couple of years ago. There's a great bookshop up there. I was like, oh, get to go treat myself to oh, a book because that's oh, just yeah. being polite. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm just doing this to be polite. Not just, right. just to be polite. Sure. But I think when I think about my own... Borrow versus buying habits because mm-hmm. I, I do buy many fewer books now that I work at a library mm-hmm. because it's hard for me to justify like, well, I could get that. I could get that at work could get it for free, um, which is not a trivial consideration because uh, books are expensive. Exactly. <laughs> but when I think sometimes publishers whine about like, oh, libraries are going to put a dent in our sales or whatever. First of all, who do you think buys your books? Like, how do you think we get them? Right. Exactly. We pay for them. Right. Uh, <laughs> if they happen to be ebooks, you extort us for them. Exactly. <laughs> um, and like I test run things. I read Catherine Arden's Winter Night trilogy entirely getting it from ebook from the library. Mm-hmm. I have now bought the whole trilogy for myself. It is beautiful. It's it's on my bookshelf. It's so pretty. I have bought the first book for at least two people as gifts. Great. Like mm-hmm. take all of my money, Catherine yeah, Arden's no, publisher. It's a test drive. So, you know, congratulations because I got to read that book for free. You know, in a way where the author's rights were respected, you know, it was paid for, not pirated, nothing like that. Like, now I keep buying it over and over again. That's great. Right. And I find that it's way easier for me to borrow fiction than nonfiction. Yeah. So, and I don't read as much nonfiction, even though I would like to sometimes, because, you know, sometimes you just need sure. to escape. Sure. So, it's way easier for me to just go borrow a fiction book really quick, read it. And then turn around and go, I need to buy this book, which mm-hmm. happens way more often right. than would be healthy. Well, fiction is such a different experience than right. nonfiction. And then for nonfiction, the thing is, I love to annotate. Sure. I take notes like no one's business. So, you know, with library books, you don't want to disrespect the book in the library mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. writing in it. Even if you do it with pencil, it doesn't erase clean mm-hmm. most of the time. Like, it's a respect thing. Mm-hmm. So... For me, it's way easier for me to go, okay, there's this nonfiction book. Let me try to read it with the library. And if I'm getting into the groove of it, then I would like to own it. Sure. Or I'll see if I'll like to own it. Sure. Um, for example, The Black Count, the biography of Alexander Dumas's father, the elder <laughs> Alexander Dumas. <Hell>. Like, <laughs> it was a fantastic book. I still haven't bought it yet, but I know that I'll want to buy it and reread it and then take lots of notes that are all going to be somewhere along the lines of this dude is so hot. <laughs> over and over and over. I've only read like, the first couple of chapters <laughs> of that book before I had to give it back to the library. And you're so right. I was just like, oh my God, this I have such a 
huge crush on this man who's been dead for hundreds of years. But he is literally so cool. You have very good reason. <laughs> if you read it, you would under you would also have a crush on him by the end of the book. I can only imagine. I, as, as we've established, I was a fan of Dumas' book, <laughs> a fan of the whole musketeer swashbuckling energy. Who he based most of his characters off of That's amazing. his super hot dad. That's amazing. So just think about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Next yeah. time, so it, his dad is easily a stand-in for probably Athos and the Count. Oh. Easily. 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 <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I also find <laughs> when I borrow books from the library, the interesting thing is you might think, oh, you have three weeks to read it. Surely, Mary Graham, that will help you actually finish the books that you Mm-mm. borrow. Alas, you would be incorrect, in part because we have automatic renewals here in Ferndale. <laughs> and so More if no one else that. wants it, I've accidentally kept it for like nine weeks. Um, and also because there is... Both no financial risk and, like, if I get it back, I can always get it again. Right. Mm-hmm. I, on the one hand, I find it very freeing because I'm someone who I will read more if I don't have this preset list. Yes. You know, if I can pick things up and put them down. And I have a fairly good memory, like, within a year, I could pick a book back up and not have to start it over. Right. And so there's just something very freeing for me about, like, I've got this huge stack of books. If I don't get to all of them, it literally doesn't matter. My apartment is small and they will be out of my apartment one way or another, whether I read them or not sure. at some point. Mm-hmm. And so there's also this stress of like now when I buy new books, because all my bookshelves are full, mm-hmm. I'm like, where will it go? Right. Yeah. And I also have the problem where I'm not that good at reading ebooks and audiobooks are. So to be clear, I've learned since working at the library because I have access to them for free. If I want to reread a book, an audiobook is perfect for oh, me. Sure. Or if there's a if there's audio. a book that I've started reading and I wasn't able to get into, I will use the audiobook to see if I can get into the book and if it works then I will finish the physical book which I own. So that access is great for me. I'm good at reading ebooks of romance novels, not of very much else um, because romance novels are tend to be very quick reads for me in general um fiction in general is quick read but like for romance it just kind of like the pages just fly by and there's something about romance not to make this roddy and mary graham talk about romance part two although i know it's a it's a um, it's a running gag it's not a gag but is that because i mostly read like my kobo is 95 percent romance novels right. and a lot of my sort of like automatic buy authors those are ebooks like i mm-hmm. said those on pre-order and the newest cat sebastian shows up the day it comes out there's something and i mean this in a positive way ephemeral mm-hmm. about um I think a lot of sort of like popular literature, no matter, you know, if you're thinking about ballads or pamphlets or like the early three volume novel or something, um, there is this sort of, because I once had someone say to me, well, I have no connection to an ebook as a physical, you Mm -hmm. know, the book as object. And I totally see where he was coming from. And certainly with romance, I don't care. Right. Um, And I, I sort of feel similarly about mass market paperbacks, which I adore. It's not the beauty of the format. Mm-hmm. Is not the reason I love that format. Um, so yeah, but I also I can't read nonfiction on yeah, ebook. Yeah, I can't, and I don't care about the aesthetics of most of the books that I read too. So I'm not, and I say that to the extent that 
Like, if I see a book that's objectively beautiful, there have been times where I've been like, look at this book cover. Oh, my God. Yes. But when I'm reading a book, I don't care that the pages are serrated. I don't care that there's, like, gold paint. Yeah. Or that there's a secret design under the book jacket. Like, that's cool to look at. But I care about the book and the words that make Mm -hmm. up the story themselves rather than the book itself. Do you dog your pages? Um, I used to. Now I do the, I guess, chaotic evil thing of just memorizing what page I leave off on. Which is what I do. So I used to dog ear when I was younger, though. But now I'll just be like, oh, okay, I'm on page like 96. See, I did not used to be a dog ear person. And I try not to do it with library books because of the whole like respecting a, a shared object right. sort of deal. But my own stuff now, I dog ear all the time. In part because I don't know where any of my bookmarks have gone. Um, Like they're all floating <laughs> around in various books. Or actually what I use more than anything else the receipt from the library yes if i have the receipt <laughs> for the library i will use that but like my go-to is just to go huh this is the page that i left off on Dang. which is i've learned apparently odd according to that like D style did you see that meme by any chance no someone not yet. did a like i'll try to find it for you someone did a meme of like all the different ways that people the alignment chart on. yeah an alignment chart of like how people like memorize their places in oh books. i did say that where it's the chaotic neutral or, or yeah what have you i yeah. think the i think memorizing is chaotic neutral but like i like villains so like my inclination is to like try to be evil but not really <laughs> sure <laughs> that is so confusing for people who don't know me sorry listeners <laughs> you will understand one day soon when we do our villain episode <laughs> when to, we do the villain episode <laughs> to come back to why we we own books and aesthetic Mm-hmm. So, I think I was seventh grade, maybe, when I had my uh, not momentary obsession with Three Musketeers and Alexander Dumas. It was one of my favorite books as a, as a kid. The book that I wound up owning, the one that's in my library, is uh, admittedly a, a rather horrendous looking copy. <laughs> it's actually the library's original copy published in like 1948. And it's, you know, it's blue it's this ugly blue cover and it's kind of faded and the animation looks the the painted illustrated musketeers on the front and it just looks awkward (laughs) but i hold that book and i love that book and my heart glows when i open it and read it because that that's the book that that matters to me so that's what's at my house right now uh so i stole that from the library (laughs) um i also stole its card catalog so i'll uh i'll admit that here listen I'll, I'll share my little book background because I've worked in libraries since I was 14. Mm-hmm. So I've never been a book buyer really ever, except for this frenzy era in college. Cause you're just full of idealism and energy and you're, you know, the world is yours and you just want to buy all these books and you're just, you wanted to sit around and drink coffee and read books all day. So just what you do mm-hmm. anyway. I have three bookshelves in my house. They're all full. And I think the total is up to only 200. And I have 200 books in my house. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really bought books since that frenzy between 18 and 22 when I was in college. I respect uh, that. They are organized by uh, fiction and nonfiction. There's one shelf that's entirely fiction. There's one shelf that's entirely 
I think I already misspoke. One fiction, one nonfiction. And then there's a shelf in the basement that is completely chaos. And I just, <laughs> they're just books that I think I want to own. Just, And I've read most of them, but I really haven't been adding to it. Now they are just not decorations, not furniture, but something in between. So I really feel like we are the bowls of porridge here. Roddy's the almost too hot bowl of porridge, buying too much. And then, and then Mary Graham's just right, and I'm too cold over here. I'm not buying enough <laughs> books. Because yeah. even from childhood, uh, my parents took me to the library every single week, and every book I read was from the library. So I'm just library through and through. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm glad you brought up aesthetics because... First of all, I like completely understand the attachment to like the beat up copy of the beloved. Because that's the one I read first. Exactly. So yeah. I uh, I read Les Miserables in an English translation my freshman year of high school, and you know it only like shaped my personality permanently. It's no big deal. <laughs> um, and the only reason that I no longer have, and it was like a beat up copy from a used book sale, because mm-hmm. um, I grew up going to the Saint Clair Bonifalco annual used book sale every year. And you can just allow yourself to go absolutely wild sure. because, like, sure. used. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. They're, like, 50 cents. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and the only reason I don't have it anymore is I did more research and realized it's kind of an atrocious translation. Like, everybody sort of universally mm-hmm. hates this particular, oh. uh, the Denny translation. Uh, and so that was, A, the moment where I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to learn French just so that I can read what Victor Hugo actually wrote. Which then I did, um, but then also <laughs> I was like, I have to, I have to acquire other translations now. Um, but there's still, but it took me a long time before I like actually got rid of that book, and it wasn't on aesthetic grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, you look at a paperback edition of Les Misérables, and you understand like why fans call it the brick. Mm-hmm. Like it is the size <laughs> and shape of a brick. Right. And I think it's interesting. I wouldn't say I spend you know a lot of time on like bookish instagram or like you know book social media Mm -hmm. or anything um and the only tiktok interaction i have is the very excellent content we make here at the library uh but i think it's interesting that i there's a lot of focus on the aesthetics of like books and book halls yes absolutely but they have to be new you know it's never like look what i brought home from the library that's covered in contact paper right Right. and but i think that that's great and i mean i think libraries are one of the great like social community sharing successes i agree that we currently have i wanted to inevitably bring up tiktok because a lot of libraries are active on tiktok and a lot of barnes and noble chains are active on tiktok and you see barnes and noble people creating great content and doing what they're doing and you'll see libraries if i could just generalize a lot of their vibe is and i mean this in the best way because you know we're awesome but they're like hey don't you know you don't have to spend so much money on your books you mm-hmm. can come get them for free and a lot of libraries on tiktok will do flashy ways of saying look at all this mm-hmm. and it's free yeah but there are a lot of book talkers out there in book talk t-ok i'm not saying book talk and their generalized meme is i just got paid and i'm gonna spend it all on books so- and it's sort of this proud thing and it is always all the new stuff Yes, I have hot takes. Hot takes. I have hot takes. So this is my issue with book talk because I do participate in it for to a very small extent. That was a hard sentence for some reason. Um, A lot of it (laughs) frustrates me because while book talk has been great for sort of promoting 
authors who were kind of flying under the radar. Repetitiveness is its biggest problem. Sure. It is always the same books over and over and over again. And that also has a lot to do with the fact that, in my opinion, a lot of book talkers kind of skew younger. So I found that, you know, it was usually the same YA books that were being promoted over and over again right. or the same romance books where they were like, this is so spicy. And it wasn't. Right. Um, <laughs> and it was just a lot of the same things over and over and over again. Whereas me personally, I read just about everything. So the things that I was talking about and doing weren't necessarily about what's new was just like, right. hey, these books for this genre or right. these books for this genre. Right. Also, a lot of those book talkers use libraries yeah. and probably won't actually say it <laughs> out loud. <laughs> um, uh, some of them do. They'll sure. say like, oh, yeah, no, I just I live by this library and I just go here. Um, but the engagement tends to be about, oh, look at these new books. Look at these new things that are coming out where bookstores like Barnes and Noble can say, well, here's our shipment of all of the new books that came out this Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Let's go crazy. Mm -hmm. But the thing that frustrates me is that there are so many books that don't get the super big Tuesday releases where you get 200 copies of it into the store. Right. With all the buzz. Um, with all the buzz. And without... promotion that doesn't have to exactly. come from you. Like the exactly. amount of unpaid labor that is expected from authors right now, particularly mid-list, yes. like when it's not your debut. And there's something so materialistic yes. about the whole like new book haul sort of deal. And working in a bookstore on Tuesday mornings, that was absolute not fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was going to use another word. But, um, and uh, I mean, listeners, if you don't know, like basically every book comes out on Tuesday yes. if you are not James Patterson. And you can't, for a lot of these books, there's something called strict on sale at the bookstore. I don't know if the library uses the same term because... Something similar. Yeah, yeah, which means that they cannot be put out. The physical copies have to remain in the back until the release day so that like usually serious means marvel secrets yes, yes exactly and like as a young person i didn't understand that of course you you have the physical books before mm -hmm. the release day right i was like do they get dropped off early in the morning like no. is like <laughs> what will happen is they'll get delivered weeks in advance mm -hmm. usually and they just sit there until it's time to put them out and then the morning of the book release everyone who opens the bookstore scrambling around to make sure that all of the new tuesday books are out and have their time in the light and you know some of them release already as bestsellers mm -hmm. which is anyway also, the <laughs> emphasis placed right now on pre-orders yes particularly for debuts but just at all and and the idea of of pre-orders making or breaking how successful a book is drives me absolutely bonkers right. because like first of all one of the things that i love about libraries is that it doesn't as long as the book has come out mm -hmm. You can discover it at any time. I mean, I think about the other series that dominated my reading year in 2021, aside from Peter Whimsey, was the Queen's Thief series. The first novel in the Queen's Thief series came out 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea how it was never placed in my hands because right. I I loved it as a grown person and I also would have loved it as a middle schooler. Sure. Also, um, the likeliness that you would find that in a bookstore is actually significantly low because bookstores will stop carrying certain books unless, you know, they're the usual ones that everyone has to read for school. Right. Or has to, or like it's just a book that is just so pervasive. I mean, 
for example, historical texts, you're going to see the Federalist Papers yeah. in a bookstore today. Right. Um, they're going to have a new intro by some historian you've probably never heard of and a really long, <laughs> like, outro. I don't know those specific and terms. And they'll probably have Pride and Prejudice. Yes. But, but, you know, something that came out, like you said, 20 years yeah. ago that might have been mid-list at the time doesn't matter. But it also sucks because... A lot of these new authors, especially debut authors, those pre-orders are really important for them too. It's it's a problem with the system for overall. Sure. And so the longer <laughs> I work in libraries, the more I'm like, hmm, I think publishing is kind of sus actually. Yes. And it I don't want to say that book talk is a lie, but just the thing about content creation yeah. is that it's literally in the name. It's to create content. content. It's sure. to get people's attention and things like that. But it doesn't necessarily portray an accurate view of what's going on. And I feel like personally, and once again, this is probably me being an older millennial. I, I hate generation. I think you're either the I'm, youngest millennial ever or you're the eldest Gen Z ever. I'm, I think that's the I like just yeah. hit the cutoff. Yep. <laughs> So did I. I am the very young. And like, <laughs> yeah. Bless, and I, I knew I knew that I was I had become an old when TikTok started because I was working in a library and the teens would come in and talk about it. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And also, I don't want to. I'm happy to for you to tell me. Yes. But like, I'm not going to investigate what TikTok wish is. Wish you all the best on your Myself journey. Exactly. And so that's how I like. I definitely consider myself like the end of the millennials. Yeah, it's the revival of dances from my youth. And clothing from my youth where I'm just like, well, dang, I guess I am old now. Right? And I'm glad that I am because you children have no idea what you're doing. That's not how that dance goes. Sorry. And neither did we, to be honest. <laughs> but we look better doing it. That well, is true because we grew up in, in, once we hit a certain age, high-waisted pants. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Here's what's fascinating is that when I first, when I was an innocent beginning TikToker, just wandering my way into this confusing and exciting and scary uh sometimes hellscape is that i saw when i first encountered a book talker in the wild mm -hmm. i saw what appeared to be likely some 22 or 23 year old mm -hmm. uh glorifying books and glorifying buying books and i said wow that seems positive yes no that it, is a good sign it but, is a good thing yeah to an extent that they love books they're obsessed <laughs> wait kids like books <laughs> but Forgive i also... me, everybody i'm like 55 so I... oh you were 53 two weeks ago jeff what's happening I... I know i'm just getting older by the week <laughs> Aren't we i all? also wonder the difference between sort of like internet book culture and like reading mm -hmm. yes i unfortunately i look at my books and i think dang i gotta read you guys now you know <laughs> because i think that that Buying books and getting excited about books is like one pastime, and right. I don't think that it's a bad pastime. And I think reading is also a related but different pastime. Sure. Yeah. And I also, if you and everyone around you are reading the same books over and over again, and you're all talking about the same books over and over again. Where does I, it go? Yeah, yeah. And I listen, because I obviously will buy just about anything, but I also have this thing. Um, known as contrariness, where if I see too many people talking about a book, I will not because I don't think the book is actually good, but it makes me less inclined sure. to want to read it. Sure. I don't know why. Um, or it makes me want to wait 
right. to read it mm-hmm. right. too because I'm just like I don't I'm getting overwhelmed with the amount of information that I'm getting about this thing where I almost feel like I don't need to read this book at this point. Well, you're too Mm -hmm. conscious of everyone else's experience of it. Yes. You don't want it to cloud your own. And that's the beauty of a library where you can just walk in and go find something that you won't be overwhelmed with information about. And you can make a discovery far easier than you can in a bookstore. Sure. Mm -hmm. And... I think that that's something that I never took for granted about libraries, too. Like, I've always, because I used to go to one all the time when I was a kid, but buying books was kind of like, what's the word, an experience, a privilege, Mm -hmm. something exciting. And then in college, I went to a college where we all use primary text. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really, like, outside of, like, a few manuals and stuff like that, we didn't have textbooks. So everything that I read in school was the original text which made me far more inclined to actually buy the books and then whatever I couldn't afford I would go to the school library and then borrow it Mm -hmm. so rebuilding uh my library after high school because I used the school library at high school too so I actually didn't own that many books before college um it was kind of like an experience of like ooh, I'm reading all of these old older texts and I'm getting to like rediscover their air quotes for the listeners all these texts that i haven't before let me see what i can keep doing with that and while that was good in college i left and i was just like i don't even know how to buy books anymore i don't know how to read for enjoyment anymore i don't know what i'm doing Mm -hmm. and so buying books once again kind of like cured that for me once again air quotes sure Sure. and then now we're at a library and i'm like well I can discover things again and like take my time and not be overwhelmed with $28 hardcovers. Yeah. Also I, and I want people to follow the library on social media. However, PSA social media and especially TikTok, is not where you go to find out who you are or to learn more about yourself. And if you are watching book talkers, it does feel sometimes identical to just watching an influencer. And if the influencer is telling you to wear the cool sunglasses or read the popular book, that book might not be for you. If you go to a library, you can walk up to a desk and talk to a human and that human will ask you questions about what you like and they will go to the shelves and find a book that might be 19 years old, Mm -hmm. but you're going to love it. And And even if you hate it, because this is something that when I'm doing like reader's advisory with kids, I especially like to let them know is I'm like, you don't have to like something just because I'm a grown up and I hand it to you. And I also say like, you know, if you if I hand you anything and you're like, no, this doesn't really look interesting. Tell me because like Hmm. that also helps me like finding out what you don't like helps me figure out what you do like. I like also if you take something home and you read it and you hate it, you can come back and say, hey, Miss Miriam, I hated this. Which is also helpful. Right. And yeah. you're also allowed to decide right. what you don't like. Ronnie, I have a question for you. Since you've worked both in libraries and in bookstores, I don't know how much like hand selling you did and, and how much direct recommendation you do with patrons, but do you feel like there's a difference in that, you know, we're not trying to sell you anything at the library? Yeah. So when I talked about Reader's Advisory with Jeff and Sarah, I actually talked about how the emphasis was always on like selling books to like get books out the door. And once again, for me, it wasn't too hard to do that because I read 
over a wide span of genres. However, it wasn't always a matter of, do I think you're really going to like this or am I trying to sell this book that you might like? Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about libraries is that if you don't like a book, you'll just bring it back. But, you know, at a bookstore, it is a monetary commitment. Yes, you can return it. But like you find the impetus to get up and go get your money back is way harder sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. if you're like a person with a job. And I just here, while I don't get to do as much direct recommend, like recommendations for Mm -hmm. patrons, I do get to do a lot of like indirect through which Sarah told me about this. I'm really excited to find out what I do through like my staff pick or Mm -hmm. the displays that I put up where it's just like, oh, here are these books that you might like if you like this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So. And everybody, Rowdy's displays are amazing. And they always have really good titles. (laughs) So, like, she put up one uh, before the holidays uh, entitled, Are You Not Entertained? (laughs) That is about, like, home entertaining and and cookbooks and things like that. And that's just the tip of the very excellent iceberg. So, if you're in the area, stop by and see the displays. But, like, I love the staff picks. I love, and it feels so good when someone takes, when, like, you walk by and your staff pick is empty. Yeah. Because someone's taken what you recommended. And I love seeing what my coworkers are like reading or watching because we do DVD recommendations too. And <laughs> I mean, right now, I, I reader's advisory is always the highlight of my day. Like whenever yeah. people come up to the desk, whether it's kids or they're grownups or, or whatever. Um, and because, you know, we're definitely still not back to pandemic, like pre-pandemic levels of foot traffic, mm-hmm. even though I am sitting at a desk, you know, try, trying sure. to get the public to notice me right. for a large portion of the day. <laughs> we just don't get as much as we used to. Right. Um, but so all of that to say that like, your library is good for many, many, many things. Yes. And one of those things is an algorithm is not going to recommend books to you. A no. person is. No. Yes. Exactly. Also, just going to like put this little PSA out there for all the libraries that do social media stuff. Please promote books that aren't just new more yeah. often. Because yeah. while that's exciting, there's so many books that libraries have or have access to that people won't be able to find out in the wild when they're being overwhelmed by you know 200 copies of the same james patterson book no offense once they walk into a bookstore they're not going to see the other books they're going to just see what's right in front of them yeah like like, i think about one of my favorite books for young people is called the perilous guard by elizabeth marie pope and actually my copy is a a a sort of decommissioned copy from the detroit public library and it is it's just sort of like classic old book like there's a particular typeface used in like the 60s and and the person who gave me this book was a librarian at the detroit public library and she was weeding the children's section and was like well this hasn't circulated in ages so we'll pull it but i know someone who might like this and the only place i have ever seen that book since is in other public libraries and i recommend it all the time i've never seen it in a bookstore you would have to order it special i have seen it on the shelf exactly in other public libraries so please promote the hidden gems sure. in your library. Sure. Even if you don't know if they're hidden gems, just show people that they exist. Yeah. Oh, sure, sure. So. That gets into how libraries possibly unconsciously think that they are in some unacknowledged competition with bookstores. So every Tuesday, we get new books, just like bookstores get new books. And I guess what's going on is this tacit sort of, why go there when you can come here kind right. of a thing every Tuesday. But, but I am glad every thursday on social media we share themed lists not new lists yes. and the themed lists dip back into the old stuff so that that is always fun yeah. to do 
Um, but I think if we have any closing thoughts, it's also support your independent bookstore. Yes. Support oh, your yeah. independent bookstores. Yeah. Um, I know that people use Amazon for various reasons, including sure. convenience and affordability. And I get it. And sure. I stopped using Amazon and never looked back. And so it is possible. I believe in you. If that's something you want to do, uh, consider this sort of your your spur to do that. Yeah. And, and helping indie bookstores not only, you know, is like local small sure. business, keeping your money close to home, but also like often sort of community centers. Often there's author talks or book signings yes. or things like that. Um, which is just so such a delight if that is something mm -hmm. that is near you or I mean the joy of the United States Postal Service you know I order from bookstores that I don't live anywhere close to right. someday I will do a pilgrimage to the ripped bodice but even though I haven't been yet they have still too. had my money you know it's <laughs> um, beautiful and I think that there is value in in thinking about how libraries and bookstores can work together in sure. our own reading yes. lives sure. um I mean, like I said, I'm a big fan of the whole, like, local library test drive mm -hmm. uh, model. Exactly. But I feel so much less pressure mm -hmm. when I walk into a library. Yes. Uh, and so come visit us. I'll second that. I'll second that. I, ha I said I stopped buying books after I was 22. I have bought at least six or seven. Not a lot. But I have bought six or seven. Every single one of those seven were test drove in a library. Mm -hmm. And I loved them and I Isn't bought them. Isn't it beautiful? It's beautiful. And that was our chat about books. Thank you both for being here once again. Of course, it was great. <laughs> how do you feel, how, Brody? How, do you feel better? Do you feel uh, less exasperated? Do you feel any kind of resolution? Do you feel, are you, uh, you're going to go order that Sylvia Moreno Garcia book? Yes. Most likely. <laughs> but I will say that to an extent, working here has tempered my book buying a lot. So there has been some improvement. It's very light improvement, but it's there. It's slow, small baby steps right. towards actualization. I think if, I don't want to speak generally, but I think we're excited about people finding the right books for them and the books that they love and the joy that those books can bring them. And that we don't, we're not militant about saying it has to be from the library, get the library card, get all your books for free where I love that Mary Graham was talking about that. We got to find this coexistence, this harmony with with book, bookstores. Yeah. For sure. So that is another chat uh, with Roddy and Mary Graham about books. I'm so glad to always have you here. We'll have you back again. Probably going to explore uh, a few ideas that organically came up in this episode, future topics. Thanks so much for tuning in to A Little Too Quiet, the Ferndale Library podcast. It's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. The music that you hear at the beginning and the end of each episode is by local musician John Duffy. And if you want to support this podcast, you can go to ferndalefriends.org. You could also follow us or leave a comment, maybe leave a starred review, or just tell your friends about us. And if you have friends out there who are in similar situations where they love to buy books and they're trying to figure out what to do with their bookshelves at home and they can commiserate with what we just talked about, share this episode to social media so maybe they can check it out too. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more.